Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program, and we are delighted to welcome back Jeanette Chafee. And she is going to be talking about something really exciting, especially as we start to approach the Christmas season, priceless gifts. But Jeanette had a priceless gift. Her life was spared in an extraordinary bomb explosion on a plane, TWA Flight 840. Jeanette, before we talk about the other priceless gifts, share with us the incredible story of how you survived the bombing on that plane. Well, Dan, it's so great to be with you and your audience again. Yes, I was sitting 14 feet away when the terrorist bomb exploded on TWA Flight 840. We were 17,000 feet in the air, and I looked up. The ceiling was gone. I looked out the window, and the mountains were way below us. But the worst part was when I turned to my right two rows and saw we were flying in the air with no side of the plane. And I kept praying and saying, Jesus, save our lives. But the other part of my mouth was saying, this, this, is, this is our coffin. There, uh, wh- when, there's, no, there's no getting off a plane. Wh- when was this, by the way, Jeanette? This was between Rome and Athens, April 2nd, 1986. We stayed suspended midair between life and death for 40 minutes. So what began as an ordinary travel day for me turned into sheer terror. And I understand that people sitting behind you were actually sucked out of the plane. What happened? Yes, five were sucked out. Seven were terribly injured. Nobody was going past my row. Nobody, you know, the flight attendants, uh, because no one else, of course, wanted to get sucked out. And uh, and we kept flying for 40 minutes, and we actually had a pretty normal landing. But it's the only time in history that a bomb has been put on board a commercial plane and exploded. In this case, it was in a life vest under the seat. Do, do we know? And who, anyone survived? Do we know anybody who who actually planted the bomb? Only alleged. Uh, but I do believe she did it. She was on a known terror list. She worked for Abu Nidal. She had tried to blow up a Pan American flight two years earlier. So I do believe it was her, but we have to say alleged. So the, the, the plane, I understand the pilot did an incredible job in actually landing the plane. What happened there? Well, I actually got to meet him, Dan, two years ago, my great hero, Captain Richard Peterson. He had only flown 727s for 30 to 35 years. He knew everything on that plane. And what he told me was the first two words to the air traffic control, explosive detonation. The crack was so huge, way above, almost to the top of the plane, through the cargo area. So if we had been flying at a higher altitude, if the bomb had exploded equidistant, like in the Boston Marathon, instead of out, or if it if it had gone one window, one airplane window further back, then it would have taken off the wing. We would have all died. Wow. So I, he's I, my great hero, Captain. Yes. Oh, yes. 
Yes, he landed, and we actually had a pretty normal landing. <laughs> he he left the cockpit to come back and help people get on stretchers. What an incredible man. And that must have been probably the most dramatic moment of your life, you know, because I don't, nobody in history has survived something like that, I understand. No, and when I got to talk to him, he went out to get his, his beautiful, you know, pilot's jacket, and he let me wear it, actually, that was on the plane that day. His wife told me that he had never talked to another passenger from the plane. Wow. So I'm the only passenger of the only plane that ever had survivors. So I I knew I was left to tell that anyone that will listen that now is the time to make peace with God and accept Jesus as their Savior because there's no guarantee on life. One minute I'm eating chicken salad lunch, <laughs> and the next second I thought a gun had exploded in my head and killed me and we're falling out of the sky, literally falling out of the sky. Well, you've written a book, uh, Extravagant Graces, 23 Stories of Facing Impossible Odds. Is your story in the book? Yes, it is. Terror in the Sky. Um, it's the first story. It's about, it takes about five minutes to read. I love short stories. <laughs> and in that, the opening sentence is, I was jolted awake by an ear-splitting thunderous boom. It felt like a gun had shot inches from my head. The plane lurched wildly. Swirling debris smothered me as smoke filled the cabin. Oxygen mass dropped. I yanked at mine. It wouldn't budge. So now you've got some wonderful stories about priceless gifts. What what do you mean, by the way, but with priceless gifts? Well, I know it's coming into Christmas. This is something we can do any time of the year or for no holiday at all. But for Christmas, something that will last forever. And I went back and talked to the people in my book and asked them what their priceless gifts were. Only one had anything to do with money. And these are just brand new. I mean, they're not written anywhere. They're in my head. <laughs> I was I was so surprised. What a great something that's not just a memory. It's much more than a memory. It has great significant meaning. So those, that's what I mean by a priceless gift, something that will be forever. So share with us the first priceless gift, the story that you've managed to uncover. Well, little Joy was nine years old. Joy Dale was nine years old when her dad, Stan Dale, in 1968, was shot by a hundred arrows by cannibal headhunters and died. Now it's like 30 years after that, and she's a mom with little kids at home running around. She goes up to the mailbox, like nice to have a minute alone, and she lifts the flap of the mailbox and sees this strange, plain, plainly packaged item. And she got it and ran back in the house. And just as she came in the house, her little son is just balanced on one foot, standing on top of the ironing board to try to reach the volume of the cassette day. So she forgets all about the package, and she opens it later. And there's a note with it, and it says, Dear Joy, I, I found an old tape reel from the 1960s when sorting out my parents' storeroom on the farm, and I put it on a cassette. Love from your cousin. And she turned it on, Dan, and it was her dad's voice that she hadn't heard since she was nine years old. And it took her back. It transported her back to another place in time. And she said it was rich and clear, the tone of her dad's articulate voice. And she wept. His voice filled the room. 
And she said, it was the first time since I was a child that I'd heard his voice. What a priceless gift. So maybe people will think about, nowadays you can make a short video for two minutes or three minutes, but you never get that back. And the other part of that priceless gift was her mother's voice is on it and her voice and all the kids chattering in the background. She said that her mom and dad always taught the kids, there were four of them when he was murdered, to love others, to live their lives as givers and not takers. And then she said to me, my father gave the ultimate gift, his own life, when he was martyred by cannibal headhunters. What a story. Well, we want to move on now to another story, which I remember because the um, the, the, the five missionaries that were murdered by the Auka Owarani uh, Indians there uh, in Ecuador, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and the, uh, the three others, um, they were killed on January the 8th, 56th. And you write a story about them called Speared, Betrayed by New Friends in your book. But now you've got another story from that incredible incident. Tell us about it. Okay, it's Valerie Elliott, Jim and Elizabeth Elliott's uh, small daughter, baby. And what she told me was, now, of course, Elizabeth raised her as a single mom, and she said the most priceless gift that her mother gave her was her unconditional love. She said, even though I disappoint her when I was disobedient as a young girl, I did something unwise. She said, my mother never showed anger or disgust. She said, she always modeled God's love to me by being mature and absolutely controlled by his peace. And she said, no matter how silly and immature I was, I was so thankful she gave her kindness and acceptance to me. Maybe you can, someone can give kindness, acceptance, be uncritical, unconditional love. You know, many years ago, uh, I was running a little evangelistic team in Birmingham, England, and uh, I'd recently got married. And uh, that very night, uh, we showed a little film strip of the, uh, the, the missionaries there that, that were killed by the Oka Indians. And that was the night my wife, Norma, gave her life to Christ. So this story <gasps> means so much oh, to me. Oh, my. So this, oh. was, so this was a very important uh, part of uh, my life. That was a priceless gift. But um, talking mm. about Nate Saint's family, tell us about that, uh, yes. the gift that I, he gave. One of the family members, um, actually, and she had read, was Phil was, Nate's older brother, he was a wonderful artist. He actually has two stained glass windows at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. And he used Nate as a little boy for that parable of the stained glass windows that he was making of the little boy that gave his bread to Jesus. And Nate never knew how true that would become. So later on, Phil, the older brother of Nate, would do chalk drawings in Ecuador to the Indians, including the Aucas who had killed his brother. And guess what this chalk drawing was of? The killing. No. The killing of the missionaries on Palm Beach, they called it that, the little sandbar. That was one scene he used to illustrate salvation and how God's call 
how Jesus would come to anyone. And uh, this family member said the story never, never got old, and that many, many of the Indians received Jesus. And she also said that it left memories of Nate. He gave his life for the Lord, but he never dreamed that he would. And he never knew that he was going to leave memories of himself and that his life would live on. So for all everyone listening, they can think of, am I going to leave memories? Is my life, my life is the story. Not just the murder part, but the way he had lived. And then she said, uh, and we know this, don't we, Dan, that she said the story has impact and many have come to know Jesus and dedicate their lives to him and your wife was one of those. Right and Nate Saint for those who don't know the story was the pilot he was an MAF pilot and uh, some years ago here you know we record this at uh, K-Wave next to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and uh, some years ago uh, one of the killers one of the Oka or they now call them the Warani Indians who was part of the killing party, came here, gave his testimony, and uh, Steve Saint, who is the uh, the son of Nate, uh, also preached a, a message of forgiveness. So what an amazing story that um, many of those Indians, as you said, found Christ through that. And even though these missionaries made the ultimate sacrifice, we can see that uh, the gospel lives on there in the jungle. Yes. Yes, and that man that spoke, Minkea, Bill's brother's murder. And Minkea had admitted, quote, he said, we acted badly, badly, until they brought us God's carvings, the Bible. Now we walk the Creator God's trail. And Phil was so moved by this, Phil baptized Two of the Aka killers, one of them was Minkea, and he said, Phil said, he's my brother in Christ. How can I doubt God's power <laughs> when I see Aka killers praying? Yeah. It was Minkea that I actually met, and uh, you couldn't believe this man had once been you know, so savage because he was such a gentle guy. I even had my picture taken with him. But wow. That, that's... Oh, my goodness. That story just lives on and on. Now, we wanted to the uh, story of Sandra Aldrich, and um, she's now a well-known author and senior to focus on the family and CEO of Bold Words. But tell us how a stranger's gift changed this little girl's life. Well, when she was 12 years old, she had an elderly neighbor and a niece came to visit. Her name was Doris, and, you know, they were neighbors, so she saw her. She's visiting, and, and at the time, Sandra was in eighth grade. And um, so she, or excuse me, seventh grade, and she was afraid of school. And then, well, this Doris that had come to visit, she chatted, and Sandra said maybe two minutes, but she asked real questions, not like the usual, like, how's school? And, and to quote Sandra, she said, out of that conversation came my decision someday to go to college and become a teacher because this Doris was a teacher. Two minutes, right? So she did. First one in her family to go to college. 
And later on, years, she said several decades later, she she met this Doris again and said, oh, we've met before. And Doris said, I I don't remember. We we never met. And Dor- and Sandra said, oh, yes, we did. When I was 12 years old and I was visiting Aunt Mayanna in the hospital and you came. And, and she apologized. And she, and she said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't remember at all. And Sandra said, oh, that's okay, Doris. It just changed my life. <laughs> and we never know... When we take time for anyone, including a child, and take two or three minutes of intentional, focused attention, how it could take, change someone's life. Right. She didn't know this Doris for decades later. And what was the, a, what was the crisis. what was the unexpected three words that Sandra that gave Sandra the assurance that she wasn't a mistake as a single mother? <laughs> Well, years after her husband, two years after her husband, Don, died of brain cancer. Her children were very young, so she decided to take them on a church trip to Mexico. And on the bus, there were Spanish-speaking guides and English-speaking guides because they couldn't talk to each other. But her little son, Jay, uh, he wasn't exhausted like Sandra was. You know, he's excited about all the new sights. And But her daughter, Holly, was frightened to death and holding on to her mom and at dinner they all lined up for the washrooms and one of the men took Jay and he's having a great time uh, and loved to wander off but Holly was tight against mom and then then Sandra said she that I tried you know I'm trying to appear calm but my her mind was racing with thoughts of how, how exhausting this trip to Mexico was and disappointing and it was a mistake and then she said, "I," she said, "quote I, I soon decided I, I was a mistake as a single mom." And just then, one of the Mexican grandmas, she could have just passed by when she left the washroom, right? But she didn't, and she had seen Jay and Holly all day, and she smiled at Sandra, and said, in halting English, "You good mama," and Sandra said in that moment. God used her, this Mexican lady, to let me know I wasn't a mistake as a single mother and that he would be with me in my journey. And then Sandra said, and truly, he has been. Carol Richardson. Let's talk about Carol now. These are amazing stories, uh, Jeanette. Carol Richardson often gave her granddaughter joy Something special. What was that? Yes. She read her books. It was the most amazing gift of the picture I have is her reading Uncle Remus. <laughs> As, and Joy at that time was eight or nine. It wasn't like just little children that sit on your lap to read. But the first thing that came to Joy's mind that she told me was this. They're sitting together with another one of her siblings, and it was just their time together and thinking, oh, could you read a book together? With, could you read a book to your children or to someone else's children? And mom never lived to see that day to know that that was a great gift, that it was. So maybe maybe we don't even know on planet Earth, you know, spending two minutes or 
taking time to read a book, how much that would how much that would mean. Or in the case of someone else that wanted to stay anonymous, this one does involve money, but not a lot. She paid for her granddaughter to go to Canada for a birthday gift. And she said, I don't have any memories of it, like some big extravagant thing that happened in Canada. It was just that my grandma or someone in her family had, you know, had done that for her. So you never know if it's reading a book, taking two minutes to talk to a child. Never know, never know. We're speaking with Jeanette Chafee, who has the incredible story of surviving a terrorist bomb that exploded on TWA Flight 840. She's been on all sorts of radio and TV shows, 2020, CBS Evening News with Dan Rather, the 700 Club, 100 Huntley Street up there in Canada, and her book is called Extravagant Graces, 23 Inspiring Stories, uh, are facing impossible odds. Now, what would you say, Jeanette, is your most priceless gifts? Well, for me personally, it's that I have known and loved Jesus all my life. There's never been a time when Jesus wasn't center focus. And that, to me, is a great, great gift. And coupled with that is the fact that my both all my grandparents... And my mom and dad prayed every single day of their lives for me. So in my Kate dad's case, that would be 65 years. And as Carol Richardson told me the last time I saw her, and very soon, a few weeks before she died, she said, our prayers have no expiration date on them. Huh. I had never heard that. I had never thought of it. And I have never forgotten it. And it gave, has given me a new perspective of how important prayer is. Another thing was when my mom had a very tragic accident that should have killed her, but it didn't. And while we were waiting for the ambulance to come, she was praying and praising the Lord. So much like Nate Saint, it's his life. It was my mom's life to be a 24-7 Christian, but... That day, I knew it. You mm. can give thanks when you think you're going to die. And then another one was the last few years of my life, I had a dream in my mind. I just, I'd love for my dad to say, I love you. Then I thought, oh, it's not going to happen. But I started praying, but I didn't really think it would happen. And when he was in ICU dying, my brother called and put Dad on the phone. Very difficult to hear him, and much of what I said, he said it before and after what I'm going to say, I couldn't even understand when he took the oxygen mask off for a minute. But his words, crystal clear, he said, I have always loved you. You have always loved me. And for the five people that died on the plane that day, they never had another chance. So I make a point of saying, I love you, hmm. on the phone, on emails, whatever. Well, if people want to find out more about your book, Extravagant Graces, 23 Inspiring Stories of Facing Impossible Odds, have you got a website, Jeanette, they can go to? Yes, it's my name, J-E-A-N-E-T-T-E-C 
C-H-A-F-F-E-E dot com, or follow me on Twitter Twitter or Facebook. And Facebook, yeah. Why should people read the book? What do you hope they'll get from it? Well, it's more than inspiration. The subtitle is 23 Inspiring Stories of Facing Impossible Odds. So every story is from a world leader Christian um, all different stories of murder, adoption, single parenting, the NFL player, the Carnegie pianist, Co- Carnegie Hall pianist, my story, terrorism, all different stories. So it's something to relate to everyone because we all have losses or depression or suicidal tensions or something. We all have. We, everyone does. So to me, it was very important to be much more than inspiration. They're stories that change people's lives. Do you think, oh, you know, I'd love to do that. Oh, I wish, but I have a disability, as we all do. Hmm. Well, Ken Miedemann was born blind, but he's performed before two American presidents. So actually seeing people in their most difficult situations and how God helped them or in Great Depression or suicidal tendencies like Steve Arterburn, but he he started Women of Faith, and he's heard every day by millions on Sirius Wonderful. and on television. Who would well, ever dream? Well, Jeanette, we've come to the end, unfortunately, but I, again, I want to thank you so much for being on the program. I hope people will go out and buy Extravagant Graces, 23 Inspiring Stories of Facing Impossible Odds. Jeanette Chafee, Thank you so much for being on the program. My pleasure. Thank you, Dan. You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News Service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.